Welcome to the Main Street Morsels podcast, sponsored by Main Street Pediatrics, located in Parker, Colorado, off of E-470 and Parker Road. Hi, good Friday afternoon, everybody. Thank you uh, for joining us for our second podcast of Main Street Morsels. I'm Lori Phipps. I'm the owner of Main Street Pediatrics, located in Parker, Colorado. And with me today is one of my lovely expert nurse practitioners, Kristen Held. And we're going to be talking about probably one of the most common topics in pediatrics, sleep. And sleep and sleep problems are something that parents have questions about from birth until they go off to college. Um, and honestly, we all could use a little bit more information about sleep. So let's get started. Sounds good. Thanks for having me today. Yeah. So I think let's start with brand new babies. Um, and when we have new parents come in, one of our main jobs is to really educate them about safe sleep. Um, and when my kids were little, um, they all slept on their tummy, and now that's a no-no, right? We learned a lot right. about SIDS. Tell us a little bit about what SIDS is and what are the current recommendations for safe sleep? Yeah, so SIDS is Sudden Infant Death Syndrome, and we really worry about this in newborns and infants um, because there's no known cause. Um, there's actually a recent study done, which is super interesting. They feel like they might have identified some kind of a biomarker, um, but still that's really early on, and so we want to keep promoting right. safe sleep. Um, so one of the things we really talk to parents about, and kind of like you just mentioned with your kids, is now the recommendation is to put the child back to sleep. Um, we want to make sure that it's a firm surface. There's nothing in there that could suffocate the children, so we say no large stuffed animals, no blankets, no toys, and this just, as I kind of mentioned, helps prevent the risk of suffocation for the child. Yeah, those are very different things than when my kids were little. I mean, they slept on their tummy, they had animals and beanie babies and bumpers, but now it's really just the baby, and um, what about a blanket for the baby? Do we swaddle, do we not swaddle? Yeah, so, Swaddling is okay as long as it's a thin blanket, um, no heavy blankets, and we want to make sure really that the child is not too warm. So right. that's, we know, one of the risk factors because it kind of suppresses the respiratory um, drive. So no hats, no heavy blankets. We say just kind of what you're comfortable in, and then an extra layer that could certainly be a sleep sack, which I prefer. It's definitely more, um, it's definitely a lot safer than putting them in a swaddle with the blanket. Those, and I think, you know, of all the, we talked a little bit about our, in our last podcast about technology and new inventions and things, but some of these things are really actually very helpful for the sleep sacks, I think are, are really wonderful for parents. And I think it's, as new parents, if your parents come, so grandma and grandpa, and grandma may say, oh, the baby's not warm enough, and they wanna over bundle and um, hats and all that stuff. Um, but you're right, I mean, just keeping the, the temperature between 68 and 72 and, mm -hmm. and making sure the baby's not overbundled. Um, any other advice? I think along the lines of, like you're right, 68 to 72 degrees, we've also found that another protective factor is having some kind of a fan running in there to keep everything circulating. So whether it's a ceiling fan or, you know, just a fan you can plug into the wall, um, that really helps the newborns, their risk decrease as well. What about pacifier use? I've heard now that used to be like, oh gosh, don't give your baby a pacifier, but is there any protective um, factor for that for SIDS? Yeah, there is. So 
it's important to kind of establish a good latch if mom is breastfeeding. So we say kind of at that two-week mark, go ahead and offer it. I know, like you said, that's kind of controversial, right? Yeah. A lot of people say, don't give your kid a pacifier, but it is another protective factor against SIDS. Yeah, absolutely. Um, what age then? Two questions. So when do we have, when can we stop worrying about that? I mean, does this go for till the baby's four or five, or when can we say, like, they're out of the the window for us to worry about SIDS? Yeah, so we really say for the first year of life, we kind of want you to, um, you know, keep the room temperature not super hot, keep a fan running, but we do see that the risk of it is higher right around the age of two to four months old, but I wouldn't say you're out of the the clear after four months of age. Okay. Um, What about co-sleeping? That's... um, I think it's kind of a hot topic, yeah. um, and I'll be honest, I mean, I've had parents gingerly admit that they do co-sleep, but mm-hmm. um, from what I understand, that's maybe one of the biggest risk factors for SIDS, so tell us a little bit about that. Yeah, so as we kind of mentioned, when we're talking about like nothing in the bed, a firmer surface, so you think about the bed that you sleep in, right? Like we don't sleep on a firm surface, it's a little bit softer. Um, and then you have all those blankets in there, the pillows, the risk of you know a parent rolling over on you. Certainly, the parents say they would never roll over under their child, but it does happen. Yeah. And definitely when there's any kind of substance involved, the parent is more likely to right. roll over onto the child. But really, it's just, again, a big no-no. And like you said, it's a very hot topic right now. Yeah. But um, and difficult to kind of confront the parents and say, no, that's wrong, but we do want to do what's best for the babies and keep them safe. Yes, absolutely. Um, When should we stop swaddling babies? Yeah, so I tend to start talking to parents about this at the two-month well visit. Um, Developmentally, the kids are going to roll over kind of closer to that four-month mark, but, you know, every child is different. So at the two-month visit, we won't see them back until the four-month visit. So I think it's really important to bring that up because um, if the kids are still swaddled, their hands are not out free. And if they roll over onto their side and their, you know, their face is stuck there, they're at, again, higher risk of suffocation. If So say I have a six-month-old baby and suddenly they want to sleep on their tummy. Can I let them? So always put them on their back, and then if they roll over, that's fine. But always, always, always put your child back to sleep. Back to sleep. Um, but parents don't have to, like, stay vigil all night for a nine-month-old that wants to sleep on their tummy and keeps switching them over. Absolutely not. People ask. <laughs> um, what are your thoughts about sharing your parents' room? Um, because I think, again, that's something very different than when we brought our babies home. They had their own little nursery, and mm-hmm. they went in there, and we stayed in our, our room. And I think there's you know, definitely some benefit to having, especially for breastfeeding mm-hmm. moms, or those early yeah. days when they're eating so often that you can get the baby quickly from where you are. Um, how long should that continue? Like, what's your thought about that? I think there's still some... <laughs> yeah. Some learning curve there and maybe some more data coming up but what do you what do you advise right now so right now the AAP does recommend up until one year of age is when you can safely put them um, in their own environment so that's kind of the recommendation I go off of certainly those first few months of life they need to be not in bed with you but in the same room as you and like I said we kind of see that that risk decreases around that four-month age but I, I do recommend a year okay we can talk about that as more data comes out yeah. because I have my own thoughts, but I agree with you. I think we follow recommendations, yeah. right? Um, 
Sleep training, that's a huge thing that I hear. Um, that's a big buzz term. Um, what do you, th tell us a little bit about that and when is that important? Is it just early on in infancy or is there sometimes kids need to have some retraining as they get older? Tell us a little bit about that. Yeah, so there's kind of a lot all in that one question, yeah, right? I know. So one of the most frequent questions I get asked from parents is when do I start, start sleep training? What methods can I use? How do I feel about um, different ones. So one of the ones we kind of think of as baby wise, mm -hmm. and you can start that really early on, um, probably closer to the two week mark. Yeah. And it just gives your child a schedule of they eat and then they have a wake, wakeful time, um, you play and then you go back to sleep. So this sleep training method is really great because it teaches kids, infants, newborns, not to associate sleep with eating and so they don't yeah. have to fall asleep at the breast. Right. Um, there is of course, a lot of controversy with all of them, but some people think that if you're not picking your kid up on demand when they're crying, um, that it can go for longer stretches without feeding when they're actually hungry. So, and again, I think with all of them, there's a lot of controversy, but right. that one's nice because you can start it a little bit earlier and help get on a really good schedule. Right, right. One of the other big ones right now is the Ferber method. And so this is more of kind of like a gentler cry it out. Um, so what the parents do, and they so they go in the first night, and they give incremented times, right? So you put your baby down, back to sleep, and then you leave the room, and they might scream and cry, and you give them roughly three minutes. And then at that three-minute mark, you can go back in. Don't pick the child up, but say, you know, mommy's here for you. You're safe. Time to go back to sleep. And then you walk back out the door. And then you wait a little bit longer this time. And then say you get, you know, to 10 minutes is kind of that mark at the first night if they keep crying every time you go in still not picking them up but you know you're safe it's time to go to bed mommy loves you and then leave and then give it 10 minutes again so once you kind of hit that last mark for that night you just keep going in at that increment you don't start over right right then the next day you start at five minutes so the first night you start at three minutes the next night you start at five and you just do that cycle all over again, kind of increasing yeah. that time frame. Um, oftentimes, this one is really hard for parents, right? Because you listen to your kids scream, and I can't go in there, and you know what am I supposed to do? Yeah. And you just want to help them. I think one of the most important things, and I think it's for all of parenthood, right, is to be consistent. So, yeah. kids are smart at any age. So, if you say, "Oh, I'm going to do it tonight," but then the next night you can't, you know, contain yourself. Like you have to go right. in at that 10 minute mark. You right. can't listen to them scream anymore. The kid will learn that eventually mommy and daddy are going to give in. Yeah. Like, again, very, very smart. So yeah. I tell parents, if you're going to do it, you got to stick to it. And you yeah. can't cave and you both have to be on the same page. Yeah. And I think, you know, it seems in the moment so difficult. And I know a lot of parents worry like, oh, it's going to cause psychological harm to the baby. And I think it's important for them to know that that's not going to happen. Um, yeah. And typically it only takes two or three nights and, yeah. and they get it and then everyone sleeps well yeah. you know and I think it's important for parents to sleep well and the children to sleep well yeah um I know there's a lot of resources out there now like night nannies and night doulas do you think mm -hmm. parents should pay the money for that I think you know we kind of talked about these different sleep methods right and there's a lot more out there those are just the more common ones I think if parents stick to it have tried a method and it really isn't working, I think it's fine to reach out to maybe a sleep consultant. I don't feel that night nannies are are super necessary, yeah. um, but yeah. everyone has their own preference, right? Yeah. And I, I always encourage parents, like, 
call us and and tell us what the issues are and we're definitely there to help them every step of the way um tell us a little bit about as kids get older what are some of the more common sleep problems because you know doing sleep training with a four-month-old is one thing but when Mm -hmm. you have a mobile child who isn't wanting to stay in bed or um you know you put them in their big boy bed for the first time and they're out and they're out um and honestly sleep problems plague everybody um even into school age and adolescence so what are some important things for parents to know about that yeah so i think definitely like with the toddler age kids and this is kind of where i tell parents it's very important to start sleep training early on and I guess to back up a little bit, like I said, the BabyWise method can be started a little bit earlier, but really you shouldn't start the Ferber method until closer to six months of age. So just kind of throwing that out there. But I think getting your kid to sleep train, so part of that is knowing they can self-soothe. They can put themselves back to sleep. They don't need mommy or daddy to come in and feed them. You know, and you think about we all roll over in our sleep, right? So we roll over and we can just put ourselves to sleep. If it kid has never been taught that they don't know how to do that so the earlier we start then it's going to be better off as a toddler because you think about right when they're six months old and you do this and you let them cry it out they'll last for a little while but not as long as they will for a toddler and the toddlers can scream and cry and to your point they can get right out of their bed so I think making sure that first of all the room is a safe space so nothing they can you know, crawl up on like their dressers, pull them down, get hurt. And then if you want, you know, to have toys in there, make sure that they're safe for the child. And sometimes just saying, you know, we're going to stay in our room. And a lot of times we hear that, I want water. Yeah. I just, I want one more hug. I want one more story, right? Yeah. So giving the child the option of we can have one, one more, whether you want one more story one more drink of water, one more hug, but after that we're done and we're going to shut your door and I'll see you in the morning. And the kids are going to, they're really going to try and outlast you. Like I said, they're strong-willed. They know how to push your buttons, but if you stick to it, we'll still be able to create a good schedule. And I think along the lines of that, and you can even start it early on, is making sure these kids have a good sleep association, a good schedule, right? So, you know, we know that we take our bath. We put on lotion, we put our jammies on, maybe we brush our teeth, maybe mom and dad read us two stories, and then after those stories are done, the kids will learn, now it's time for me to go to bed. And if they don't have that good schedule, they don't really know when is bedtime, what am I doing tonight, so it's really important to have a good schedule for them. Brilliant. I I love that you said that. I think that's so important. And then consistency, right? Absolutely. And that's really hard for for parents. Yeah. any part of their life, but definitely sleep. Yeah, absolutely. Um, now let's talk about some older kid sleep problems. Yeah. So you know what that looks like. So it's, I'm on my phone, I'm on my video games, yeah. I'm watching TV. Um, they can't wake up for school a nice day because they haven't been able to sleep yeah. well. So what are some good sleep hygiene tips that we can give parents for older kids? Yeah, so I think first and foremost is there can't be any technology in the room. So no video games, no TV, no iPad, no cell phone. And I, it's interesting because a lot of times it's harder for the parent. They don't want to take yeah. the phone away. They don't want to be the bad guy. But doing that is really, really important for your kid to get quality sleep. Yeah, And there's really nothing... Kids like to be connected. They like to be on social media. And those are all things that 
really they don't need to be doing especially that right. late at night right um, so taking the phone away out of the room an hour ideally two hours before the kids go to sleep and I think it's important that kids and adolescents know that their bedroom is where they sleep so even you know as adults if we're you know uh, whatever in our room like watching tv it's not necessarily a sleep yeah. space for us Eating. <laughs> yeah a lot of teenagers i hear well i want to be in my room because i don't want to be my by my family and so i do my homework up there i don't want my phone up there and so even their brain at that age can't settle down and go yeah. i walk into my room this is where i sleep so yeah that's another another big one and i think people don't realize that not getting enough sleep especially in early childhood, is a big risk factor for obesity. Yes. So I think, you know, when that's kind of brought up, the parents are more willing to tell their kids no. Yeah. And it just, it puts you at risk for a lot of unhealthy habits. Absolutely. And yeah. poor school performance. Yeah, absolutely. And kind of along the lines of that, it's really important. I know there's night owls, there's, you know, people who like to wake up in the morning, but it's really, really important that on school holidays, you keep your kids... Yeah on the same schedule. And it doesn't have to mean like waking your teenager up at 6 a.m., but just, you know, within an hour or two of that, so they're not sleeping till noon or one, yeah. and then, you know, they go back to school the next week and they have to get up at six. That's just really, really hard right. on them. Right, right, yeah. absolutely. Um, any other tips that you have for sleep hygiene in general? Um, and even things that parents can follow? What about shower or reading or, I mean, is there anything else that can kind of help establish those better habits than Yeah, this? yeah. So I often talk to teenagers about, you know, I don't want you on your phone in your room, and especially one to two hours before, before bedtime. Um, and even the children, right? There's things that you can do instead when you're bored. Um, which helps kind of with social media, but that's a whole yeah, that's, that's a whole other thing. That's but another podcast. Yeah. Um, so just you know, I think reading, and I tell kids all the time, it doesn't have to be for school. It can be something that you are interested in, but it helps get your mind settled down, and you can read about it, um, and and then go to bed, and still kind of that same sleep association that we talked about with the younger ones, right? So you take a shower, you get calmed down, you brush your teeth and then you read a book and you're you're ready for bed. But at any age, that's important. And I, yeah. you know, we can even think about as adults, right? right. We have our bedtime routine. Right. We don't just, you know, run from the kitchen and go to bed. We have to brush our teeth, right. get ready for bed, and then kind of settle in. So right. at any age, it's extremely important. Um, this is kind of off the cuff, but any advice about melatonin? Um, is that something you recommend, try to avoid? I mean, what are your thoughts about that? My first kind of go-to is that we try these, you know, interventions. And then if that doesn't work, we can talk about it. But most of the time, if parents implement these and they really follow through, I don't see the need Great. for any further intervention. Agree. Well, good. Thank you so much. This was awesome. And I, I think our parents are going to love listening to this yeah. over and over as kids grow. Thank you again for joining us for Main Street Morsels.